Welcome to Startup Happy Hour, sponsored by Content Allies. Grab a drink and join us to hear fun and inspirational stories from startup founders and visionaries who are making a positive impact in our communities and learn how you too can turn your new and exciting ideas into reality. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Startup Happy Hour. I'm your host, Diana Chen, and I'm here today with a special guest, Jacqueline Curtis. I actually met Jacqueline a few years ago when uh, she she worked as a VA for a couple of my businesses, and today she's the COO of a couple of businesses. So I'm really excited to talk to Jacqueline more about how what she's been up to the past few years. This is kind of a catch up for us as well. So you'll get to just listen in to our catch up and hear what Jacqueline's been up to and how she's been able to move her way up to being a COO over just a few years while also increasing her family from three to five now, right, Jacqueline? Yes. Yep. Well, I had, we were a family of four when I first started working for you. Now, now five. <laughs> okay. You just had your second son, right? When we, when we had connected in the first place. Yeah. Yep. He was a newborn. Yeah. Okay. So tell, first of all, tell people what you're doing now with bant.io and with Zopto um, and just like what your role as a COO at those startups looks like. Yeah, so a little bit of background. Uh, Bant is a B2B sales and marketing acceleration solution. Um, So we work with small to enterprise level customers um, to help generate more leads for their business and generate more visibility for their business. So that's really kind of more of like in, I would say, omni-channel type marketing uh, because we're reaching out to them several different channels through outreach and ad campaigns and uh, also trying to capture leads as uh, on a sales chatbot. Um, on the Zopto side of things, that is more of like a DIY uh, platform that leverages um, social outreach, LinkedIn, Twitter to help automate uh, outreach on those platforms. Very cool. So are these two companies connected or are they two separate companies? Uh, they are two separate companies, but there is some overlap with resources and in, uh, in also white labels Zopto. Gotcha. So take me back to when you first joined the team at Bant.io because that's where you that's where you started and then Zopto got built out after you were already at Bant, right? So how did you get started at Bant and what was your role when you started there? Yeah, so actually uh, the work that I was doing for you and when I started at Bant overlapped a little bit. Um, so, uh, you know, we were working together first and I was still kind of looking for something full time and working for you on the side. Um, and then I came across Band and started working for them in, uh, what was it, February of 2018. Um, so I started as an account manager. Um, and then throughout the course of the last couple of years, kind of moved into more of like a senior account manager position. And then recently, as we've just grown to the level that we have and just had different needs and have had to kind of formalize roles and structure and things like that, because we've traditionally been a very lateral company. Um, COO wasn't a position that was open or that anyone had before, but it just, you know, my role just kind of evolved into that position and that role was created for me um, out of the need for the business. Got it. So you were the first COO at Band. Yes. Gotcha. Okay, cool. So how many people were at the company when you first started and how many people are there now? 
Yeah, so not many. When I first started, it was me. I started with two other account managers, but they didn't uh, last very long. And I would say there might have been like six or seven. And now we're close to about 25. And we have, uh, I would say, somewhere around like six people that we're bringing on in the next like month, month and a half. So grown quite a bit over the course of the last two and a half years. Yeah, that is super fast growth. So how did you move from being an account manager to COO? Because I guess account manager is a pretty vague title, but I feel like it normally ties more into sales than into ops. Um, and obviously there's some overlap, you know, between sales and ops, sales and marketing, all of those things. But was it like you were doing, just realized that you enjoyed doing tasks a little bit more? So you shifted in that direction? Yeah. So I've always kind of been on the operations side of things um, throughout every role that I've been in. Um, so prior to coming to Band, I worked for almost six years as a program manager. Um, in that role, I also uh, was the head of operations for a, an initiative here in Detroit uh, called IT in the D. Um, or Experience IT is, is what it is today. Um, so I've always, you know, really been process oriented and been able to really kind of wrangle different sides of the business together to you know work towards the business objectives. Um, so starting at Ban is a really small team, as you know, as a startup, you wear a ton of different hats. And for me, I'm just always kind of looking for areas of opportunity, areas to grow the business. Um, on the account manager side of things, account management and sales at uh, Banton Zabjo are two different things. Um, so once a sale closes with sales, then it goes over to account management. And it's really kind of more of like a customer success role. Um, but, you know, really came in at the ground floor. We needed to really build out our processes, our workflows, um, you know, just kind of formalize everything and set the foundation for growth. And there was really nobody else to do that. So that was an opportunity for me to really come in and kind of take charge of that. Um, and then I guess it just kind of snowballed from there as we continued to grow and continued to have, need, have needs and, uh, you know, me wanting to step in and really help out with everything that I could. That's awesome. Yeah. So now as COO of BANT, what does a day-to-day look like for you? Yeah. So, uh, it's sometimes I wonder how I keep my head straight. <laughs> There's like so much going on because it, you know, again, a startup, you just work in every single department. And uh, so it's, you know, like one second, I might be working on something marketing related. The next second, I'm answering a customer concern. The next second, you know, somebody wants to discuss something on the sales side, like, you know, building out processes. Another moment I might be interviewing somebody for an opening or posting a job opening or, you know, following up with people on various deliverables per our like strategic planning. And I mean, it is just like a ton of moving pieces at any given time. And, um, but I would say it's exciting. Like sometimes I wonder how I actually like move the needle on anything, but it's just like a lot of organization and just making sure that, you know, I, I guess that, that I'm just, well, we utilize Trello a lot, I would say, for like a lot of my personal organization and amongst the team. So just, you know, using the tools at hand to constantly keep myself organized across all these kind of like disjointed pieces and departments. 
Yeah. So ops, I would say is one area that I really do not enjoy and do not thrive in. So I always want to know um, from, you know, people who are deep in the weeds in ops, what is the process that you go through in creating these new processes? So when, you know, obviously like it starts with having a need, like something in the business isn't working, something in the way that we do things isn't working. So we need a solution from there. How do you go about designing a solution like, do you come up with that yourself? Do you interview members of your team? And then how do you go about building that? Like, what tools do you use to build that out? And then how do you make sure that it's streamlined and that, you know, the rest of your team is on board with the new process? Yeah, so um, I would say that in terms of building out a lot of the processes, a, a lot of that wasn't uh, there weren't formal processes really when I first came on. There were was the current way of doing things. Um, but me just being process oriented and really organized, just had to come in and, you know, kind of examine the current workflows and then, you know, just try to find various areas that I thought that there was for improvement. But I would say that it's a constant, uh, it's a constant process of like checking yourself and just making sure that you're, that you are using the best process, <laughs> if that makes sense, you know, like it, what works today might not work three months from now. Um, so it is, you're just constantly kind of reevaluating that. Um, and then as you're kind of building that out and evaluating, yes, uh, reviewing that with any stakeholders or any other people in the process, any other teams that are dependent upon your processes and just making sure that you are using the most efficient one, the one that makes sense. Um, so it is, it's not just a, you know, you don't just design a process and kind of continue on with that. It really is something that is constantly being evaluated and constantly being iterated on as, you know, teams grow and workflows change and um, needs evolve or you spot inefficiencies, and et cetera. Yeah, I love that you said that because I think a lot of, or not a lot, but some people that I've encountered in ops kind of get stuck on, like they get too married to their new processes and ideas that they come up with that they're unwilling to iterate and change as the times change and the needs change. So I think that's so great that, you know, like you're, you're fully aware of and open to any changes that need to happen over time as a business continues to grow, which startups are always growing. Right. So how do you balance being the COO at Bant with what you're doing at Zopto? Are you the COO of Zopto as well? Yes. Um, so there is a lot of overlap, I would say, um, you know, just in terms of the strategy, the market, uh, like our customer profile, what they're looking to get out of the solution or, you know, platform. Um, so in terms of balance, you know, I do keep everything separate in terms of like, um, you know, having different Chromes, having different Trello boards, having different like sets of sticky notes, uh, having separate Slack channels, all of that, just so you know, it's not all kind of being lumped in together, but a lot of the strategy and what we're trying to do for our customers overlaps. And so it's really just, you know, kind of finding, uh, coming up with common, I guess that common ground and then uh, adapting it on one side for, you know, whatever makes the most sense for that particular company. Gotcha. That makes sense. Um, so did you always have an interest in startups and or tech or entrepreneurship, or is that something that you sort of fell into when you got your role at Band? 
So it's something that I've always been interested in. I can't say that it's something I was interested in. Um, you know, like I went to college and I, this was like a passion of mine. Um, but my husband is an entrepreneur. He's worked in startups since the day that I met him. It was actually a conversation that we had, you know, probably our first conversation about his goals as an entrepreneur and wanting to, uh, you know, have his own tech startup and the struggles that that's potentially uh, that we're going to have throughout our lives together. Should we continue our life together, um, you know, just working in this world. So I would say that that kind of probably started my interest in the tech world. And then I kind of um, just through being married to him generated my interest over time. Um, I'm kind of his sounding board for ideas. And so, you know, having those conversations and uh, just getting that all through osmosis, listening to him and his co-founders that he's worked with and, um, you know, hearing him on the phone and things like that. Uh, and then at my last job, I, that was a professional services company. Uh, we were basically, you know, I managed software developers as part of uh, my job. And uh, the program that I worked for, Experience IT, that I did operations for, that was uh, basically a, uh, I guess you could say like a, uh, software engineer training program. We would also do like project managers and some of those other like tech related roles, but um, training people to specific specs of uh, openings that tech companies in the Detroit area had. So, um, you know, I guess kind of started early on and it, it, my over time, my different roles have kind of, I guess, brought me to this point. Uh, but I love it. I love the startup world. I love the tech world. It's a challenge. It's always changing. And yeah, I am happy that all the, everything kind of fell in place to get me here. Yeah. Cause I remember back when we had first met, I think you mentioned that your, um, your major in college was like poli-sci and pre-law and that you mm -hmm. had considered going to law school at one point as well, <laughs> yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, that was which, my like, passion. Which good on you. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> so, I mean, good on you for not following through with that because we all know, you know, where I came from and where I <laughs> <Yeah>. am now. <laughs> yeah. What was it, but what was it again that, that uh, you know, kept you from pursuing your passion as you just called it and going to law school? So I would say that uh, my junior year of college, I, you know, after having taken out student loans and just kind of realizing like the amount of time and debt that I was going to have to go into to pursue a law degree. Um, and then my husband also was working for a lawyer and it, he, like, you know, the starting salaries were extremely low <laughs> coming out of law school. Uh, so I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to spend like tens of thousands of dollars in schooling and come out and, you know, not make very much. And like also just knowing the time investment and that I also wanted to have a family one day. And all of a sudden, you know, what was really appealing no longer kind of aligned with some of, you know, my personal goals and objectives. Uh, and I was kind of also using that as an avenue to get into politics. And that was also my passion, hence the political science pre-law. So I'm like, I don't really need a law degree to do that. I don't know if I want to practice law. And uh, then I worked my first political campaign and official political campaign where I had like a paid position. And I was like, I absolutely want no part of this either. So that was, <laughs> that was kind of it with that degree. <laughs> 
There you go. That makes sense. And that's probably what I should have done and what I recommend that every pre-law student does is go and actually work at a law firm or go and run a political campaign or whatever it is that you think you're passionate about and see if it actually works out. Because I think, you know, in college, you have all these ideas about what these jobs are like, and it's nothing like that in the real world. Like my perception of what a lawyer did back in college is nothing like what a lawyer actually does. Like a lawyer <laughs> sits there and does paperwork and you respond to emails and phone calls from like people that, you know, you're just rolling your eyes at and being like, like, this is the dumbest, que like you're just fielding dumb questions all day, basically. <laughs> <laughs> and no one really, does, I mean, you don't watch that in Law and Order. You don't watch that in yeah, legal TV show. So. <laughs> <laughs> not quite, not quite. Um, so you, you did bring up one thing that like factored into your decision-making process, and that was wanting to start a family one day and realizing that, you know, going the law route or even the politics route might not be the most conducive to that. That is something I wanted to talk to you about because you have been able to grow your career so quickly. Um, and so drastically while also growing your family. You have three young boys right mm -hmm. now, all under the age. How old is your oldest one now? He's five and a half. Okay. So pretty much like all under the age of five. Um, <laughs> how, how, did you, how did you do it? Yeah. I mean, I, I can say it's not easy, but I have a lot of support. Like my husband is my biggest fan and we have complete equality in our marriage. And so I think that that's extremely helpful. Um, like, you know, his goal has always to be and own his own startup, be an executive at a startup. And I think it's actually like more fun for him to see me in this role and kind of like live some of those dreams through me currently. Um, so having that support, um, you know, even the babysitting support that we have, we moved closer to my family so that we can have, uh, you know, babysitting for our small children that we really trust that allows us to, you know, work comfortably. Um, and it, like, you know, with COVID, of course, it's been quite a challenge having the kids at home, not being able to have them in school or their other daycare setting. Um, so a lot of days where, you know, I'm working all day and take a break just to have dinner with my family, put the kids to bed, and then I'm back at the computer at night and, you know, working through bedtime to really just keep everything going. Um, but I also like attribute that to the company as well. And our founder, he's the father, um, his, uh, daughter, his, uh, only daughter currently is, uh, he's expecting another one. Um, she is like a few weeks older than my middle child. So when I started at the company, you know, we both had infants at the same exact age and, you know, he is like awesome. I've never felt like being a parent is, uh, in any way inhibited my opportunity here. Um, probably instances where I've been personally self-conscious about it because of how I think, um, me being a parent was perceived at my last job. I had, uh, I was very self-conscious, probably even admitting to being a parent when I started at this role. Um, and it was like completely unnecessary. Like he is just so open-minded. Like it's just never once been a concern of his, um, when talking about moving me into a different position, although, you know, this role specifically wasn't crafted yet. Um, but just, you know, looking at promotion opportunities and things like that, like he was the one that brought that up to me when I was like a couple weeks from going out on 
maternity leave with my middle child and which I thought was so cool. And he asked me, he's like, is this something like you're excited in? Like, you know, you just don't really seem like you're really like excited about it. And I was like, no, I think I'm just caught off guard because in most instances, you hear of people being hesitant to offer any promotion opportunities or anything like that to, you know, parents, especially ones that are about to have a baby, like let alone talk about, you know, advancement. So it was just really cool. Um, and I did, I, I, you know, started working in more of like a manager capacity right upon my return from maternity leave. So it's just never been a factor here. Uh, everyone's very supportive. We have other parents on the team now, which is great because, you know, now I'm not the only one outside of our founder that has kids. So we're all kind of in the same boat and being a remote job, it's flexible. So being able to, you know, if there is an event or anything like that, being able to go out and still be there to be with my kids during important events or hearing them laughing downstairs when I'm working upstairs, like all of that is just really makes me feel like I'm able to knock out both roles successfully. That's so awesome to hear. Yeah, I know a lot, a lot of times when women go on maternity leave, the fear is that when they come back, that promotion is no longer available to them, you know, or maybe their role's going to change in a, a negative way when they return. Um, so that's super awesome. And it sounds like you kind of fell into this situation by chance, you know, it just worked out really well that the founder is also a, a new parent um, at the time and really understood what you were going through. And it just sounds like, like a very understanding person and boss, but knowing what you know now and having experienced what you've experienced, if you were to give advice to yourself when you had your first child and you were still a little self-conscious about even admitting that you were a parent, to people at work, um, I guess like what would, what would be your best advice to other young mothers that have faced, you know, adversity in being a parent in the workplace and are feeling a little self-conscious about even, you know, being a parent in the first place? Yeah. I think that, um, some of that's warranted actually, because, in my last job, which is when I had my first, there was a night and day change between, uh, you know, when I left on maternity leave and when I came back and the dynamic was completely changed. Um, I worked in Detroit. I was no longer part of like the social hours and things like that, where a lot of business was talked and uh, deals were made, if you will. Um, so, you know, not being a part of that, like I felt very much all of a sudden an outsider when I very much felt like an insider to begin with um, or before I left. So I think that some of that is warranted. I don't think that it's fair. You know, I, I don't think that a man going into a remote position would feel self-conscious admitting to their coworkers that they're a parent. Um, you know, I think that that would just like come out naturally and would just be a non-issue. Um, but, you know, I feel like especially being a woman going into a remote position, the uh, fear is that that's going to be perceived that you're looking for a remote role because like you really just want to like mom on the back end, you know, that like you're just going to have your kids like all at your legs and you're going to be out just like, you know, doing laundry and playing games or whatever. Um, and so I think that part of that is warranted because unfortunately I think some people do still perceive that, um, you know, a woman, especially that wants to be remote, that that's kind of what's going on behind the scenes. So, you know, in some sense, I think that what I did was, was right, not knowing the situation. I wanted to be judged on my work and my productivity and, you know, who I was as a professional before they got to know me, uh, you know, as 
the parent. Um, but I think that things are evolving now with people being at home and uh, employers and managers and things like that, seeing that people can juggle the two roles, especially without even childcare in so many instances, like school was closed for three months and people, you know, have been juggling both roles at home, mothers and fathers, um, that hopefully that's going to change and people, especially women, won't have to be as self-conscious going into that moving forward. Yeah, for sure. And I, I guess I don't know if there are any resources out there for uh, for women who are either having their first child or, you know, experiencing adversity like you did at your past job. Um, do you know of any resources or is, you know, have you found any anything besides just your very understanding and generous boss that have helped you be more comfortable in your role as a parent and as a superstar at work? No, no uh, resources or anything like that. I would say that I'm part of like a few Facebook groups that are uh, women oriented um, and, you know, they're professional. So like one is um, for like writers, another one is for freelancers, um, another one's parent digital nomads. So these are all working parents. Um, and so just being a part of kind of those I guess, personal and professional uh, groups and just seeing the conversations, how people are juggling. Some of uh, the conversations are around work. Some of them are around venting. Some of them are around discussing strategies on juggling parenthood and work. And um, so just kind of finding those groups or finding like a professional mentor that's also a parent, I think is really helpful in terms of just like seeing how people manage it. Uh, what they overcome, like, you know, the question about, um, like, what would you do differently? People talk about that all the time, just their experiences. Um, so I think finding those groups is really helpful and just seeing that there are other people out there in the same position, obviously, like, you know, millions, um, and, you know, leveraging them and their experience and applying that to your own situation. That's awesome. Yeah, I've seen, I think Facebook groups have really grown to a point where there's something for everybody and every interest out there. And it's been crazy to see the impact that they've had on, you know, people's lives, like people that are parents, people that are going through uh, a medical condition, people that have like all these unique experiences can find their crew on these Facebook groups, which is awesome. So I know that your husband is, you know, the entrepreneurial type of guy. Has he rubbed off on you at all in terms of wanting to start your own company one day? I don't think so. I I look at how hard, you know, my boss who has successful and has had successful startups works. um, I mean, literally around the clock, like he works uh, out of Europe and it's a completely different time zone and I can write him at any time of day and he's responding. And that's kind of, you know, what, what you need to do to really be successful. Um, So yeah, I do not see myself wanting to be like an around the clock person. I probably am even pushing my limits with my current uh, workload, Um, but I'm much happier to support somebody that has their own uh, entrepreneurial dreams and has their own startup versus being the idea person and, you know, executing that kind of on my own. Could you see yourself working with your husband one day? Like if he has a really cool business idea and you're, you know, in like a COO role and running the business for him? Yeah, I could. I think we work really well together. And uh, we were actually just talking about this last night because he's in, in the process of getting something launched himself. 
And like, we just love talking about business and strategy and, you know, what we're working on and we get along really super well. And I think we make a really great team. So I could definitely see that in the future. Yeah. I would be excited for that. Like, I think it would be really cool. Yeah, that's awesome. And especially as your kids are getting older too, they could maybe have some small role in the company too, or even take (laughs) it over one day. Who knows? (laughs) Who knows? Yeah, there you go. That works too. (laughs) Um, so with all that you do, how do you maintain balance? I mean, working at a startup in any role, let alone like an executive role is a lot of work. You're working around the clock. There's so many unknowns and changes that can pop up at any moment. Um, plus, you know, you're raising three young kids and, you know, like I assume trying to live your life and do hobbies, <laughs> pursue hobbies and other fun things as well. So how do you, how do you find the balance to do all of that? So I think I'm probably lucky that I'm boring and I don't actually really have any true hobbies. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of like mixes out some of that. Um, But I mean, it's hard. I, I do struggle to find the balance. Sometimes I feel like, you know, I worry that my kids may think that I'm at the computer too much or ignoring them or I'm on my phone too much and I make myself too available and Um, that I don't take enough time off to just kind of relax and, you know, take a mental break. Um, But I I don't hate it. Like, I don't hate necessarily having a little bit of an imbalance. Um, But because I am able to work from home and I do have that flexibility to fit in some family time or time with my husband or, you know, whatever into different parts of my day, I would say that that gives me enough of the feeling of balance. you know, to really be satisfied. And, and I guess that, that kind of is my balance. Yeah, that makes sense. I think, I mean, that's super awesome when your family is your, your hobby, your primary hobby, and you really do enjoy spending time with them. And it's not, you know, a a chore to, you know, take care of the kids. And it's, it's more of something fun. Well, don't get me wrong. It is a chore to take care of the kids. (laughs) But, but, you know, I, I love being around. For sure. For sure. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. For sure. Yeah. I can totally get that. (laughs) No, it definitely sounds like, I mean, obviously raising three young children and boys under the age of five is no easy feat. Like, I think that alone is a full-time job, but it's, it definitely sounds like you enjoy spending time with them maybe more than some parents might enjoy spending time with three young children. (laughs) Yeah, they're crazy. But I think that that's why one of the reasons why I like working so much is like, I miss them. But at the end of the day, you know, like after a long day working, like I actually get to miss them. And that time that I have with them is quality time uh, versus, you know, other times in my life, like being on maternity leave where you're with them like all day long. And I'm like, oh my God, like, wait, just get away from me. So working gives me a chance to miss them. And I do actually appreciate that. I think it makes me a better mom personally. Yeah, for sure. It's like distance makes the heart grow fonder, even <laughs> yeah. if your distance is just like an eight hour work day, but it's still like, I think having that separation and distance helps for sure. Yeah. Um, so I know that you said, you know, you're quote unquote boring, whatever. I don't think you are at all. I think you just enjoy spending time with your family and you're, you know, just being a badass you know, boss at work, but tell people more about who you are, like outside of work. And maybe these are hobbies that you had more time for before you, you know, started to grow a family. Um, but like, what are some of your hobbies and interests and things that you like to do when back when you still had the time? Yeah. So, um, 
I mean, my husband and I would travel all the time together and just constantly, I mean, you're from Michigan, so you know, like going up north, what up north, going up north means. Um, we used to go up north all the time, go hiking, um, go backpacking. Uh, I, we, I feel like we had just started really digging into a lot of international travel before we had kids. And um, so that was really exciting. Like, I just love exploring new places and, you know, doing things together. Um, you know, outside of that is just like a lot of family time. I guess I'm just like a family person. Like I love spending time with my mom and my dad and my sister and my aunt and uh, like not doing much. Uh, being in Michigan, we have all the lakes around us. So uh, I live in an area where like my uh, town has, I think like 35 lakes or something. And I live in between two. So like literally standing in the middle of my house, I see a lake out of both windows. Um, so a lot of time at the beach on the lake, we got a boat last year. Um, so we do a lot of boating and, uh, live in a neighborhood with a great community of people with lots of various events. So we're constantly going to, you know, some kind of a party actually tomorrow, uh, is the pirates and lunches party at our beach. <laughs> and so, uh, we'll be doing that. So yeah, I, I guess nothing like out of the ordinary, um, but just a lot of time together and traveling and having new experiences. Yeah, that's awesome. What city are you in now? Lake Orion. Oh, okay. Okay. Nice. Is that, how far is that from Detroit? Like half an hour? Um, so without traffic, it's more like 45 minutes. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Cool. Yeah. I love all the lakes up in Michigan and we've actually been able to take two trips up to Michigan, um, during quarantine. So we went to the upper peninsula once and got like a cabin out there. It was super remote, but we got to go hiking at, uh, pictured rocks and, um, oh my gosh, what is the other big state park up there? Um, Falls. Yeah, I was going to say Tequamanon Falls. Yeah. 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 Uh, so we did that and, um, we, we, we puppy there to both of those places and we took him on like a 10 mile hike at Tequamanon Falls <laughs> and it was like so much fun and he did such a good job. And then we took another trip up to, um, it was like near Traverse city maybe like half an hour outside Traverse City, but we got to rent a boat and go out on the lake. And so oh, nice. it's so nice that you have your own boat so you get to go out whenever you want. That's awesome. Yeah, I, that is probably the west side of Michigan, like the Sleeping Bear Dunes, uh, like off in the Leelanau Peninsula down to like Holland and Saugatuck. That's like my favorite spot in the world. Like I just absolutely love it. It's like my happy place. And, uh, yeah, we, my husband and I used to go like camping all the time up North. I, I like despise camping now with kids. So that will be one thing I'll be happy to get into again once they're a little older. Um, but yeah, I love that side of Michigan. It's such a beautiful state. It is. It's like so underrated. I feel like nobody talks about it, but there's so many hidden gems there. Yeah. Do you see yourself traveling more with your kids once they're a little older, like even internationally? And I guess like, what are some places on your bucket list that you would have liked to go to before you had kids? Yeah. So we actually did an international trip with, uh, my oldest when he was like one and a half and it was great. Uh, we went, um, we flew to Barcelona and spent some time there, hopped on a cruise and we went to like seven or eight different countries throughout uh, the Mediterranean, France, Italy, Greece, uh, Montenegro, Croatia, and several different cities in all of those places. And, uh, and 
it was really easy with just the one with the three i don't know we'll have to see when they get a little bit older i think it'll be a different story right now i you know hate going anywhere with all three of them because it's just so much work um, but absolutely, like I am always hunting for travel deals, not recently, of course, but I will be back to that, I'm sure, in the next like year or two once it's safer to travel and, you know, the U.S. visa can actually get us into other countries again. Um, yeah, I could definitely see us traveling and Italy is one of my favorite places that I've ever been. So I would probably want to go back there, um, Switzerland, Northern Italy. Um, and I don't know, really anywhere. I, I I would be willing to take the kids anywhere. So as long as it's logistically possible, financially possible, and they cooperate, like I'm game for pretty much taking them anywhere. Yeah, hopefully uh, travel resumes before your youngest turns two so you can still take advantage of <laughs> free airplane seat. <laughs> yes, yeah, we did that with my oldest. And it was, you know, those longer flights do get a little uh long with a kid on your lap but the you know airfare is nice <laughs> for sure for sure are you guys still looking to grow the family or are you happy where it's at now absolutely done with three like that is <laughs> my my absolute ma max so yeah but they're great and the, it'll be a lot of fun with the three boys so yeah I, I always wanted a girl but now that I have three boys I think it'll be a really cool adventure yeah. And, and because they're so close in age, I think they could totally be best friends. And I think you'll, I mean, I, I've always thought that girls, girls are easier when they're younger, but then they're harder once they get older, like into the teenage years. <laughs> That's so I, I think hear. like, yeah, so it might be more work for you now, but I think hopefully your job will be easier. <laughs> older. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Um, so what's, what's ahead for you? Like what's ahead for Bant and for Zapto and for your career? Like, do you want to stay in the COO role forever? Um, what's, what's up next for you? Yeah. Um, so at the company level, it's, we just replatformed at Bant. And so that's been really exciting. We, um, replatformed in, February with kind of launching all of our additional modules uh, that we're running on the different channels and things like that. So it's kind of unfortunate timing because it was right before everything hit and we weren't able to really gauge at the time, like, you know, how these changes impacted the business. Um, so we're just now starting to see that upward growth again. And we've actually surpassed uh, customers and revenue uh, the last two months than even where we were in February. So that's been really exciting for us. Um, we formalized our white labeling at Bant, so that's really cool. We're growing our agency base and working with them to uh, kind of diversify their offering and offer different revenue streams, especially because a lot of traditional marketing channels have been affected for uh, agencies, marketing agencies. Um, we're working with our customers on gathering feedback on feature suggestions and working with the dev, dev team on implementing those. So yeah, I, a lot of uh, interesting things. We rolled out a strategic planning initiative for the year 2020. Um, so we're just really trying to meet our goals, our revenue goals, our customer goals. Um, so we're growing the team exponentially in preparation of that. Um, and you know, similar on the Zapto side, uh, you know, just continuing to work with our agencies, help expand uh, their foothold in the company, build out our partner programs, 
look at developing strategic partnerships so that we can provide more value to our customers. Everything that we're working on right now, it's a lot of work. There's a lot going on. Um, you know, we're, I think, all at max capacity. We're adding to our team, which, you know, is a relief on one end, but in some areas, it actually, like, adds to the workload because you're interviewing and training and, uh, you know, there's that learning curve. Uh, but it's all really exciting and, you know, I kind of hope to stay here forever. So I hope that everything ends up very successful and yeah, that I continue in this role. That's awesome. Until your husband starts his own company and then you're going to help him run it and <laughs> build the most awesome family business. But no, that's super yeah. awesome to hear. And I think one thing that COVID has shown us is that businesses that were operating remote, fully remotely before this have a lot more resiliency with what's been happening in the last few months. So that's awesome, even though you're yeah. super busy, maybe too busy, but it's better than the alternative that a lot of people are going through of being out of work. So that's really cool that uh, Bant and Zopto have both been able to keep growing during this. Yeah. Um, so I always like to ask this question to all of my guests, but if you were to go back and give advice to yourself um, before you found all of the success or just to somebody who's, you know, maybe in college right now or just finished college and is pretty directionless, but wants to end up where you are today, what would be your number one piece of advice for them? Oh, that's a good one. Um, I would say to... Well, one thing, I, one thing I always say is to do the job for the job that you want, you know, do the work for the job you want, because no one is going to see your potential and you're not going to stand out if you just work between, you know, the uh, work between the lines of your job description. So continue to be ambitious and bold and, you know, work outside of your job description, find areas of opportunity in the business that will allow you to stand out, allow you to shine. Um, and, you know, I think that people in terms of, you know, myself and thinking of other people that I've known that have come to be successful in their role that I've worked with, um, you know, that have been able to uh, move into leadership or executive positions, like that's always what it's been. It's been, you know, hard work, determination, loyalty, and, you know, going kind of above and beyond and working, doing the work for the job that they want and not what they have. I love that. I love that. And I think that's something that draws a lot of young people into the startup world is the opportunity for more, whatever that more is, um, yeah. just opportunity to grow and the opportunity to explore other avenues and find out wh what they want to do and where they want to be. Yeah. Sure. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining. Um, are, are you up for a quick little game before we close out? Yeah. Okay. So we can either play this or that, or we can play the word association game. I, you, you tell me. Okay. Let's play, <laughs> the, let's play the word association game. I like this one. So okay. I have, okay. I have 10 words. I'm going to say a word and I want you to say the first thing that comes to mind. <laughs> no explanations. <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't have to make sense at all. Okay. It's literally just the first word that pops into your mind. Okay. okay. Only one word or that I can um, say or it can, it can be like a phrase, like, it okay. be like but like one like thing idea okay. and we'll just make this like super quick. Okay. All right. Startup. Fun. Nonprofit. Uh, I don't know. Nonprofit. Um, no money. <laughs> Tech. Uh, evolving. Superpower. 
Uh, fast, travel, uh, non-existent currently. <laughs> Maybe not from your perspective. <laughs> You're still out there. I, yeah, I've gotten more into road trips, which this has been a great, um, great way to force me more into road trips because I just have never been a big road trip person in the past, but now it's forcing me to uh, explore the, my own country more, you know, instead of always jet setting off to other countries. So that's been really good. Yeah. Um, okay. Parenting. Hard. Balance. Um, necessary. Detroit. Uh, evolving. Passion. Um, happiness. And last one favorite child? Ooh, I would say my middle one right now for sure. Drew. Ooh, uh, ooh you actually had, I was, you know, I can't answer that. I expect that. I've always said every parent has a favorite child. Just no one's, no one wants to admit it. I'm sure it'll fluctuate, but right now he's super cute. He sleeps through the night. Uh, he talks back, but it's, adorable because it's in toddler talk. So like that was an easy question for me. (laughs) I love it. Would your husband say the same thing? Probably for sure. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, lucky him. (laughs) Okay. Well, great job completing the word association game. Tell people (laughs) where they can find you if they want to reach you um, or if they want to check out Bant or Zopto, uh, where can they find um, you and your company? Yeah, so uh, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, our band website is band.io. Zopto is Z-O-P-T-O, zopto.com. Um, so yeah, check us out. And your social media, are you on social media besides LinkedIn? Um, I am, but I keep those to personal social media, so. Okay, okay, awesome. So LinkedIn is the best way to contact you. Yes, Perfect. Well, thanks so much for joining Jacqueline and it was so good to catch up and we'll have to do this more often than every three (laughs) years or however long. I don't even know how long it's been. (laughs) Sounds good. It was nice catching up with you. Enjoy the Badlands. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Startup Happy Hour sponsored by Content Allies. If something we said today resonated with you, please share our episode on social media and sign up for our email list at startuphappyhourpodcast.com. Happy Hour doesn't have to end just because this episode is over. Continue the conversation with us at startuphappyhourpodcast.com or on Instagram at startuphappyhour.com.